Yes, I am thrilled to be here today. Uh, not only because I get to share the word with you, but uh, this is my first service after getting over COVID. So thank you for letting me be here. Don't worry, the Minnesota Department of Health has allowed me to be here. They've given me the, the approval, so don't worry, I'm all good. <laughs> but I am thrilled to be here. Uh, it's such a wonderful time and a beautiful morning and a great day to celebrate mothers after this. I plan to go back up to the Iron Range and visit my mom and my grandmother and my aunt and say Happy Mother's Day to all. Uh, so what a wonderful day to remember where we've come from and where we're going, really. So, uh, as I was introduced, the, I am a missionary. Has anybody ever wondered, what does a missionary do? Like, what is a missionary? Anybody? Okay, so a little insight into me. I am more of a teacher, so when I ask questions, it's okay to respond. You don't have to, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you can raise your hand, it's all good. Yeah. So I like a little bit of feedback. Uh, if I don't want your feedback, I'll just keep going. <laughs> so yes, I uh, have the privilege of being a bit of a teacher also in Cambodia. And I think part of the, the mystery of missions is that we as missionaries do so many different things. So like your pastors here, they wear many, many hats. Am I right, Pastor? <laughs> yeah. So, but that's one of the things I love about ministry is that you have such a variety of things that you get to do. Uh, on the other side of it, it's like there's so many things that you get to do uh, that it's sometimes difficult. But I thank God for that variety. And it's the same thing in missions. And I think that is why there's a bit of confusion about what missionaries actually do. It's because there's so many different ways that we can be involved. And as the video said, God send me, but where does he send me? There's so many different things out there that we could do. So today, uh, I'm going to share about three things that uh, I get to oversee when I'm in Cambodia. Uh, I kind of uh, boiled down all that myriad of things that I am involved in down to about three main areas that I actually oversee. So the first thing I get to do is I get to work with the youth of a local church in the province of Kampung Spu. Now, don't worry about pronouncing that because my parents visited and they spent the whole time trying to figure out how to say that. Never got it. I don't expect you to. Uh, it is a province that is about an hour and a half out of the capital. Now, hour and a half is on a good day of traffic. Now, we're talking about traffic, crazy traffic. But <laughs> uh, on a good day, I can get uh, to the Bible school in about an hour and a half from my province. But the goal of AGWM, Assemblies of God World Missions, is to see the national church in every country rise up and get to the point where they're self-sustaining, to the point where they're self-theologizing, where they're really self-evangelizing, and they're in turn sending out their own missionaries. So the goal in Cambodia, talking with our national church, is they want to plant a church in every provincial capital. So one of those provinces, I located myself there and I was assisting a church that was about seven miles, seven, actually seven kilometers outside of the city, and just seeing what they were doing and how I can be a part of their church. And so I start to just apply myself to the community because much like America, you don't just jump into a community and people accept you. Uh, so same in Cambodia, I applied myself and I just got into the community. I started to teach at their local schools, just English and art and music and things like that, things that I had that I could give back. And so in teaching, I just spent my time there and I was connecting with the young people of the church and I felt a little bit like I was missing something. But a little later when I was talking to the senior pastor of the church, he shared with me that 
there is an older generation that he is able to reach. He speaks the same language as them. But there's a new generation of Cambodian that is rising up. So if you don't know anything about Cambodia, uh, in the late 70s, there was a genocide. So anybody that was educated, anybody that even wore glasses, anybody that stood against the, the party or just paranoid against the party, they were killed off. And then after that, there was another decade of unrest and war and uh, disputes and really until about 2010. Since about that time, there's been relative stability. And thinking about that, you have this generation that knows this genocidal, war-torn country to this now relatively prosperous, uh, developing country. And these young people, you're talking about a generational gap here in America, a generational divide in Cambodia to where the senior pastor is like, I don't understand these young people at all. We don't even speak the same way. But I see that you have a natural rapport with them, so please continue to do what you're doing. So at first I was like, oh, I, I felt so bad because I wasn't doing uh, everything to every generation. I wasn't being all things to all those people. But then the pastor encouraged me, no, you're doing something that we were not able to do, so please continue to help the youth. So that is one area that I'm involved in, helping the youth of that local church. And then the second thing is at our Bible school in the capital city of Phnom Penh. Now there, I've been teaching about three times a year, and it is wonderful, because like I said, the National Church, their desire to see a uh, church planted in every provincial capital. And to do that, we need people. Mm -hmm. We need people that are qualified and have uh, been able to hear the word and understand the word for themselves so that they can start to teach others. And so it's my privilege. Oh, every time I would teach, I taught about three block courses a year. And I would be so stressed because not only am I teaching a new course, which takes a lot of development time, but I am teaching in a second language. So, oh, I would be so stressed out for so long, but it never failed that by the time I got through the class, I was more poured into than I had poured out. So I love teaching at the Bible school. And then the third thing I get to do is a worship group. So our churches that are established have uh, worship leaders throughout the country. And uh, a few years ago, our national youth director of Cambodia, uh, the national leader, d was thinking it through. And he said, oh, there's so much more to worship than just the three songs at the beginning of our services. Am I right? Worship is more about a lifestyle, right? And so he's getting this in his heart and he's uh, starting to express this to some missionaries. And so I uh, heard about this and some other missionaries started this group, but they got to a point where like, okay, we don't know where to take it to the next step. And so they approached me and asked me if I would take on this group. And I am once again overjoyed because these young people have committed themselves to study and they have committed themselves to really diving deep into what does it mean to be people of worship. And like I said, that, that generation where there is genocide is kind of like the country lost their identity. But now there's this new generation crying out for identity. And what do we know as Christians? We only truly know who we are once Christ tells us who we are. Because he created us. He knows us in the innermost workings of our being. And so the Cambodians are finding this. They're finding their identity in Christ. And they're finding their voice. So now I am super excited because they are starting to create. So before they were taking English songs and translating them into Cambodia or into Khmer, Cambodian to use in their worship services. But now this new group is starting to create these new songs of worship from their heart language, from their heart to worship God. And I'm really, really excited about that as we go forward. So those are the three main areas that I get to oversee. And God has been using me in what 
I have already been developing in my life when I was here in the States. Uh, I grew up in northern Minnesota on the Iron Range. Any other Iron Rangers? Didn't think so, but here I am uh, from, from the Iron Range, and God was training me. I didn't know where he was uh, taking me, but I was, like my life was just kind of zigzagging around. But God used every single point of my life to say, this is what I'm leading you towards when he brought me to Cambodia. And now I am privileged to serve, and I am so thankful to have your support. And as I talk more about today, it's because of you that I get to do what I do. So uh, also today, I am going to be doing some preaching out of one of the classes that I taught at the Bible school was in Corinthians. Now. When you read Corinthians, there's a lot that are, a lot of messages that are a little bit hard to understand when you first read it. But as we encourage the Cambodians, we don't tell the Cambodians what it says. We teach them how to learn for themselves. We want them to be able to read the word and say, this is what God is saying. And in that, you need to be able to understand what the word says in context. So that just means reading above and below what the verses you're reading to kind of understand those difficult areas. Read the Bible as a whole. What does the whole Bible have to say about this? And use all of that in context. And that's how we teach at our Bible school. Uh, but also you've got to understand culture, how the Cambodians are going to understand things in their culture. So I love the Assemblies of God. They put us through courses to try to help us understand not just what is different, but why it is different in Cambodia. And one of those main things that stood out to me is that they are a group culture. Here we are what is known as an individualistic culture. We value the individual. We, uh, let's say, look at sports. We look at the best of all time, the, uh, the greatest of all time, the goats. Uh, then we lift them up to this uh, pedestal saying, this is what we strive to be as a community. But in Cambodia, it's about the group and empowering the group. I, one of the times that I learned this was an interesting story. So after I got back from teaching at the school, I was a little bit tired, so I laid down on my couch and I was taking a rest. And I have a dog, and in Cambodia, it's very hot. It's uh, very hot and humid. And so it's indoor-outdoor living, and I had my front gate open just to let the air flow. And I was on my couch, and I have a dog that's sitting next to the front, and he starts to bark, which is very unusual because my dog is not a barker. And so I turned to yell at him, and I see out of the corner of my eye this slither, this little tail slither underneath the couch that I am on. So I jump up on my couch, I jump on the coffee table, and I jump on the uh, other chair that I have in my room. Because uh, I am not uh, a snake scientist. I don't know what that is. I don't know if you guys do, but I do not. So they trained us again in AGWM school that we need to take pictures because if we don't take a picture, it doesn't happen. So I took a picture and I posted it to Facebook and I'm like, okay, I'm going to take care of this. Uh, I am going to show my community, my neighbors, that I am able to be here and I can live here by taking care of this snake. Uh, and so I've seen this happen. Uh, they get a bucket, they get a pillowcase, and they kind of shoo the snake into this bucket. And that's how they take care of it. Well, then the better start of my mind is like going, oh, but maybe this is poisonous. Again, crazy traffic, hour and a half until I get to anywhere that could possibly help me if I got bit. So I'm like, okay, but still I'm like, I gotta show them that I can do this. Like in Northern Minnesota, we're all about being the individualistic. We can make this happen. We don't need to depend on anybody. We're gonna build our cabin out in the middle of nowhere and be self-sustaining. <laughs> that's the way we are, and that's my understand culture. That's the way I view life. And this is what I can do to show the Cambodians that I can be here. I can take care of this snake. And so 
I kind of do some things, and I got a broom, and I start to agitate the snake. It lunged at me a couple of times, and I just kept working at it, working at it, working at it, until it kind of got so agitated that it wedged itself in my front gate. And it's at that point, okay, hours have passed, hung my head. It's like, oh, I have failed. I cannot take care of this snake. So I go over to my neighbor's house. I'm sorry to inconvenience you. I'm so, so sorry. But I can take care of this snake by myself. Could you please help me? And the first thing they said was, what took you so long? Because in their mind, it's like, that's what we're there for. We're here as a community. We don't expect you to do this on yourself, by yourself. We are here to lift each other up, to support one another. So if you have a snake in your house, come and get us. And shortly after then, I had the community at my house taking care of the snake. So long story short, snake was taken care of. Uh, but then I found out on the internet that this was a king cobra, <laughs> the largest venomous snake in the world underneath my sofa. So OK, that was an, a way, one way that I learned how my culture of individualism and how their culture of community differ. But they also use that understanding when they're looking at the Bible. And in a lot of the ways, I think the people of the Bible share culture more with the Cambodians than we do here in the West. So let's start up in 1 Corinthians. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Corinthians 3, 16, and 17. I believe, yep, we will have it up on the, on the wall there through the projector. So I am thankful for technology. Let's use technology for what it should be. I am grateful to have the, or the Bible in my pocket in many different languages at all times. So thank God that is here. So if you have your phone, click there. If you have your Bible, flip there. It's all good. I do not mind. And if you want to read up there, you can. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 3.16, and I also read 17. It says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple, and that God's spirit dwells in your midst. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. Wow, that's pretty heavy, isn't it? That is a tough teaching. Let's read on. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. Okay, so looking at this, you're like, oh no, I'm not holy enough, I'm not good enough. God's going to destroy me. Has anybody thought that? Because I know in myself, I am not good enough. God's going to destroy this temple of mine. But in context, what is Paul talking about here when he's talking to the Corinthian church? All the way up until this point, Paul has been talking about divisions within the church, all these splits within the church. You had people saying, I follow this man, I follow this man, I follow this man, I follow this truth, I follow this truth, I follow this truth. If you follow this truth, you are wrong. If you follow this truth, you are wrong. If you follow this truth, you are wrong. Does that sound familiar to today? But what is Paul saying here? When he's using the you in 1 Corinthians 3.16, it's not a singular you. He's not talking about your individualistic holiness. He's talking about the community. He's talking about you as the body. Don't divide and destroy this temple. Keep your focus. Because after he said, uh, I follow this man, I follow this man, I follow this man, Paul says, no, we follow one man. That is Christ alone. So keep your eyes focused on Christ alone. Don't get distracted by all the noise and things that are happening this day and age. 
because there's one person that we follow, one direction. Have any of you heard the saying, I don't drink, smoke, or chew, or go around with those that do? Anybody? <laughs> Unfortunately, I have heard that too growing up. But that is, that is wrong. That is against the heart of Christ. So again, I know that it's not Christ's heart that we would think about our own holiness when talking about destroying that person over divisions. No, I know that this is Christ's heart, that he doesn't care. He's not devoted to the things that, oh, drink, smoke, or chew. He's not going to destroy you over those things. Why? I look at Luke 7.34, once again, looking at the Bible in full context. And this is Jesus talking about himself. He says, the Son of Man, speaking of himself, came eating and drinking, and you say... Here is a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So here is Jesus willing to associate with those that were the worst of the worst of the day and age that he was in. Why? Because it's Christ's heart, not that we exclude those that are not holy enough to be in our community, but that we would go outside of the community and invite those others in to the community. That is why Christ came he went to them, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, to the point where they called Jesus a glutton and a drunkard. May I not be so consumed with my reputation that I'm willing to go to those that are outside the community so that I can invite them into the community. So today the message title is We, the Communion of the Saints. Because in this time we are asking a lot of the questions, who are we? And that's what I'm trying to answer today. So number one, we are a community, but not as a community unto ourselves for our, our own enjoyment, but so that we can go to those that are outside the community and invite them in. Why? Because point two, we are a body. So now we're going to go on in Corinthians to 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 21. Now this is a bit of a long haul, but uh, bear with me, Paul says it a lot better than I ever could. So if you can look at 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 21, it says, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit as to form one body. Do you think Paul is getting at something? Again, there's talking about all these divisions happening within the church, but he's focusing them again. We are one. Under one Christ, under Jesus, we are one. Continuing on to read, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of smell be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the, or sorry, if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, I'll read that again, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? 
As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the hand, or the head, cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. So I might shock a few of you here, but I don't naturally get along with every personality within the church. <laughs> Amazing, I know. But that is the beauty of the body of Christ, the church, that there is diversity, that I don't have to think like my brother or sister, but that's okay, because I might be a hand while they're a foot. Like I said at the beginning, I am more of a teacher. <laughs> like the video said, one of the excuses is I'm not qualified. And that's what I used to think, is that I'm not qualified to be a missionary. Because I don't look like the other missionaries. I don't do what the other missionaries do. But then God encouraged me. He's like, no, you are a teacher. Use that gift and what you have to complete this body. Because there's other missionaries in the field that are wonderful evangelists, that are wonderful in language, that are wonderful at doing things that I am not able to do. But we can come along together. I can be the hand. They can be the foot. Somebody can be a mouth. Somebody can be an ear. We can all work together to be the body of Christ. Now, part of that is that I don't see the same way that every other part of the body sees. Sometimes their ideas, I think, well, that's a little bit off. That's a little bit weird. But once again, Paul is saying, don't get distracted by the little things. Remember Christ, Christ alone. We are baptized into one spirit. Don't get distracted by what the hand does and what it says, because I don't look, I don't think, I don't do the same as every other part of the body. But remember to be united and focused in what we are doing. Be that one body. Because the hand can't just cut itself off and go. Now, in Cambodia, I cannot be that hand that's disconnected from the body of America. This is my home church. The American church is my home church. The Minnesota church is my home church. But at the same time, this church, you guys are part of what I do. You, I'm a part of this body. I'm not disconnected when I go to Cambodia. We are all part of what is happening in Cambodia. So that we can reach those that are outside of the community in Cambodia and tell them, hey, come into this beautiful community of Christ, this body that desperately, desperately needs you the Cambodian church, to join this body. Amen. Join the American church and join this body to create this unified group, this community, to worship Christ. So thank you for sending me. Thank you for being a part of it, because I'm not separated. I'm still a part of this church. Which brings me to the last point. We are a family, which is so exciting. Now, in Cambodia, when I go to the market, I see somebody new, and I'm like, okay, they're about this age compared to me. They're a little older than my parents, but younger than my grandparents. I'm going to call you my great uncle. Because everybody in Cambodia is family. There's no you. It is auntie, uncle, grandma, grandpa, brother, sister. And that's how you refer to everybody. So this is another thing where I feel like the Cambodian church is miles ahead of us because they are already having this part of their culture. Everybody is family. To the point, when Paul is talking to the Corinthian church, or when he talks to other congregations, he uses the term bong bong, which in Cambodia means older and younger sibling. So older and younger siblings here today, let's remember, we are a family.
We can see this in Romans 8, 16 through 17, where it says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So we are a family. My family is a tight-knit family. I know I'm privileged in that. I'm thankful that I come from such a tight-knit family. Whenever there's a need in my life, I know my family's going to step in and meet it. Not everything that I want or desire, but I know if I need something, my family is there and they will take care of it. But we are also a family. Mm -hmm. And there is a cost to what I do in Cambodia. And once again, I'm not just a hand out there doing willy-nilly. I'm a part of this body and this family. And this family has stepped up and supported what is happening in Cambodia. So thank you for doing that. Because it's not just that we are a family because of the beautiful community and the beautiful worship that we create. But as it said in Romans, we are heirs because we have died to our old self. Those outside the community have yet to learn that there's a new self. There's a new creation that they can be. And that's why I go, so I can tell them, those that are outside the community, outside the body, outside the family, that please come in and join this family, this community, this body. But again, thank you for being people that see this and are willing to invest in it. So in the future, when I go back, we're going to continue in these things because of what you do. I'm going to continue to partner with the local youth. What they have expressed to me is they want to start a dormitory in the capital city so that when they graduate, they are able to go. So they don't have dormitories like we know dormitories. They have to fend for themselves when they go to university. And so we, as a group, have seen that churches that have united and support their youth in going to university together have created that discipleship and that mentoring, and we've seen great strides in that community when they go to the capital. And so we want to do that for our youth of Kampungstu. We are going to start a dormitory for them, and you are going to start a dormitory for them. Next, with uh, the Bible school, I'm going to be stepping into more of an administrative role. So then I'll be working at the Bible school during the days and then helping out with the dormitory at night. So once again, to make sure that we get a church in every provincial capital, we need you. We need to be able to send those students. And there's a financial cost for them to coming in, and you are meeting that financial cost that we can train more students to go out and start these churches. And then with the worship group, we had one young man come in and uh, he gave a testimony that, oh yeah, I thought I was going to learn how to play a guitar really, really well and I was going to become a guitar hero and all these great things are going to happen to me because of this group. And you guys didn't even let me hold a guitar the first time I was here. And he, they're getting it though. He's like, I have learned that it's about a life of worship. It's about what I can give back. God has graced us with these gifts, but it's not so that we can hold on or become great, but that we can turn them around and say, God, I give this back to you because of all you've done for me. You loved us first, but here's a bit of love back to you in the creativity that you have given us, in the life of worship that we have. And they're getting this, and this is what this young gentleman said. And to the point now where I'm really excited because we are starting to produce new songs of worship that we can give back to the Cambodian church in their heart language, out of their heart of these young people coming together and diving deep into what it means to be people of worship. But all these things, again, it's part of this body. You are doing these things. So I thank you. 
on their behalf, because it's not until we all come together, the Cambodian church, the American church, all the churches of the world come together to create the unified body that Christ comes back and we are able to come together as the perfect bride of Christ and worship for all eternity. So thank you for helping to make that happen. I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to share that with you because I get to live it, but it's through what you guys do on a monthly basis and through your prayers and just that support of being connected. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Pastor.